Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And this t- this week we are joined by Murph. Hello. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, so it's it's been about, let's see, you played in the actual play game that we did a couple months ago, but then about a year ago, we were just talking about this before we got in the air, you came for our panel discussion about running games online, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a year. <laughs> you're since then. How is that We're still going? stuck gaming online, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're running a Pathfinder game? Yeah. Second edition Pathfinder, which I started just about a year ago and have been running. Um, it started out as a every week thing for about two hours a week and then mm-hmm. switched to every other week and alternated with one of my players running a 5e game for us. Oh, that's cool. I don't think I knew about the 5e game. Did you, was it a little bit of a whiplash for you going back and forth between those two? Uh, it is a little bit of uh, um, a little bit of realignment every week to switch between yeah. rule sets, but um, it helps that I'm running one and playing in the other, so I only have to yeah. remember one side of it. Yeah, so you are now a, a battle-hardened online game master, I guess. Is there, like, <laughs> or at what's least your, a survivor, yeah. Yeah, what's your like your trick that you would you would tell people? So like, I think it, both Andy and I have tried running games online. Um, I've sort of bounced off of it completely, but I know Andy Andy's running Band of Blades, which I think you're playing in too. But yeah, any, so, is there anything that you would you would tell people now right. about um, it? Uh, aside from expect to spend a while up front figuring out the uh, the audio and video that works best for your group, because I think the Pathfinder game we spent a full hour trying to cycle between different um different solutions before we said yeah let's just do zoom and yeah we'll we'll do the game part on roll 20 we'll do the talking and seeing each other on zoom and that's what works for us because nothing else worked yeah yeah now uh pathfinder is a game that uh at least uh, it's certainly built so that it works well with like a really tactical experience and is that something you've really tried to embrace while running the game online, or have you gone more kind of theater of the mind? Right. I mean, Pathfinder does very much have the like grid layout of things and the very, um, the very uh, finicky tactical combat system. So we have been doing that just through Roll Twenty. Yeah, I've been been running a published campaign, um, which lets me spend a little bit less time on like figuring out what's going to to come up over the course of a session, um, though I am converting it from first edition Pathfinder to second. So mm-hmm. it's more time consuming, though, to um, to get you know, maps trimmed out of PDFs and uploaded or um, little mini tokens put together for things. Yeah, the, the physical or not physical, the digital um, toys part of it takes <laughs> up a, a larger part of time than, uh, than maybe the actual plot or obstacle creation i mean i assume though that it is worth it that the investment you put into figuring out how to use the tactical combat stuff mm-hmm. in roll 20 it pays off though is that right yeah for me it does i do prefer the games that have more of a, a visual presence to, to the actual gameplay where you can like see what's happening um over the the mostly spoken theater of the mind approach um like having the virtual tabletop for me personally um, makes playing online much more enjoyable than um, than an all audio uh, experience would be. 
I have done some like play by posts, just text gaming in the past, which is a very different experience, and um, that works out okay too. With your Pathfinder game, are you as soon as you know vaccinations and the state of the pandemic allows, are you going to switch it into a face to face game, or are you going to keep rolling online? Um, I haven't figured that out yet. The online experience definitely has its positives and negatives. I, all else being equal, I would prefer to be in the room talking to my players in person and hanging out with them because they're all my friends. Um, but the online play certainly lets us all roll straight from putting the kids to bed to mm-hmm. being at the computer playing like five minutes later and not have half the table rolling in over a 20 minute period as <laughs> um, people make their way from their houses. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one of my players at that in that game is actually a, a nine-year-old, the, the son of one of my other players. Um, so I don't think he would be able to play at all if we were waiting until everybody else's kids went to bed and then <laughs> oh, yeah. they had to like come over to my house and be there for a game and then go home again. So, so it does it, it does a little bit facilitate people's like logistical participation, even if it's mm-hmm. maybe not the same quality of, of uh, in-person presence. Yeah, I keep wondering about that because I'm, I'm playing in a game right now and I think the only reason I'm able to, to make it so often is because it's online right now. You know, yeah. I have a 10-month-old at home and so just bedtime is fuzzy <laughs> when you have a small baby <laughs> like that. Yeah, so um, I mean like we'll you know, figure it out. We'll play in person when we can. But it is, yeah, the logistics part of it is easier in some respects. Yeah, no, I think I will miss that. Do you, right. do you think that you might even stick with the virtual tabletop when you go back in person? Would you would you be that sort of guy that yeah like that gets a big TV and puts it down on the table? Probably not. Like I do like the the tactile you know, minis and dice, and like I still use physical dice even when I'm playing on the virtual tabletop most of the time, just because like it's the yeah the, the multi sensory experience there. Maybe we'll move to in person, but it'll probably mean not being able to make it work every single week like we have been yeah. doing um so maybe maybe longer sessions less frequently on a afternoon or something well that's great i'm really glad that um i mean that's that's a real success story i mean uh, a whole year is a re- really respectable amount of time to keep a campaign going do you have a sense you know if i recall you're are you running rain of winter yeah that's right or kind of so. a, a, a converted version of it uh Without going into like you know spoiler details, are you you know like halfway through the campaign? Or are you coming up on the end? Um... So the yeah the Paizo published adventure paths are like six books long, and we just moved from the second book to the third. Oh uh, wow! A couple sessions ago, so we are as far as page count um, a third of the way through the the published material. Wow, um, that's that's great. But yeah, it's. Yeah, I do a fair amount of editing and leaving things out if they just seem like they're um, you know, ways to take up time or grind for experience points. Like, Well, and you must be expanding it or letting the players um, expand it a little bit if you're, you know, if you're meeting weekly or biweekly. You know, you, you must be expanding the story somewhat beyond just the print uh, modules, which aren't that long, I think, right? So that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, I try to let them have some room to to play around and um, and get themselves lost and not just like follow the, the linear path. Like 
I've, yeah. I've considered it a success when one of my players said, yeah, for a while there, I, I didn't know what we were supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> it's like that, that's great because the adventure very much knew what you were supposed to be doing. And yeah. um, you figured out something that was different, but still, you know, sort of moved the flow of things along. So that's their victory. Great. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have you back on in a year to tell us, right. uh, you know, if, if, when you hit the two thirds point through the campaign, how it's still going. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so we should we should roll on the table pretty soon but i guess before we do that i, I wanted to ask has anyone anybody been watching anything good lately um so before we got on the air we were talking um and i admitted that i have not read anything lately at all again see 10 month old and pandemic and all that mm-hmm. um but i have watched some tv and movies and stuff but yeah so i just wondered yeah is there anything good that you've been watching that you're you're drawing inspiration on um for your games this isn't uh, this isn't a show, uh, but I have been. You can talk about books if you're actually. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get even less mature than that. But okay. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I periodically get back into the video game Overwatch. Ooh, yeah. And I've been, my brain has been uh, has been really has been really spinning uh, because I've been trying to pay attention. So Overwatch is like a. It's like a shooter where you and another team fight against each other on a map, and you're often trying to like uh, you know capture a couple of points on the map from the other team. And I've been drawing some tabletop inspiration from it by mm-hmm. just thinking about how those levels are designed. I was just realizing as uh, as I've been playing how good those maps are at channeling you to the handful of places on the map that are where the exciting stuff is going to happen. Oh, cool. So like those maps are are built to get you and the other teams into the same space. Uh, and uh, if you think I've played a lot of like kind of shooters like that and if you think about like a bad map is one that could be really cool and really intricate or really realistic but it's it's too intricate or too realistic and you find yourself lost on the map or taking a wrong turn whereas with overwatch whichever way you go you will just be dumped out at, mm-hmm. within 30 seconds you will be dumped out into a room where everybody <laughs> is fighting yeah and i it just made me think like about uh, tabletop dungeons what can you do when designing like a dungeon or dungeon like environment uh, that gives people a little bit of freedom, you know, to explore and go their own way, but also, uh, also will bring them to the exciting parts, you know, pretty reliably, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that's really cool. I remember, um, I think Chris brought up uh, laser tag, um, the, the maze episode maybe, and talking about how like being in a laser tag space with the lights on, it turns out it's actually a really small overall physical yeah. space, but kind of designed in a way to make it uh, easy to, separate people and obscure them from each other so that there's a lot of like maneuvering and wandering around to do so it sounds like the uh, uh the overwatch map experience is a little bit the opposite where it's big but it pushes everybody together yeah it, it just it's a reminder and there's been a little bit of discussion i don't know if you guys have been watching kyle latino's videos on map drawing mm-hmm. and it's just all of this stuff has really got me thinking about the power of just a simple map to mm-hmm. Uh, to direct players. I mean, the incredible impact that a map, well-designed or poorly designed, is going to have on the player's experience moving through an environment. 
Mm -hmm. um, it's a real skill to do a dungeon layout that is really good, um, I think. So, anyway. Yeah. All right, I'll stop babbling about that and turn it over. Murph, what have you been reading, playing, <laughs> watching, etc.? Reading-wise, I just picked up uh, Gideon the Ninth, which I think Kyle had mentioned. Um, yeah. They're on the show or on Discord at some point. Yeah, this is which, like uh, a Kyle episode, except he's not he's yeah, right. on the show, but he's here. <laughs> he, he haunts us. There's an empty chair yeah. here with, with right. Kyle. Uh, <laughs> so it's, I'm only the first chapter or two in, but it's a uh, yeah, sort of necromancer space opera um, sort of deal. Um, I think he had mentioned Elric. Um, I'm getting some Dune feel hmm. from it, at least the first couple chapters so far. Um, and then also just relying on the, the podcast network for all of my content. Um, Andy, I think you'd maybe mentioned the old guard, the movie in your, um, uh, it wasn't me, but yeah, I know someone on the channel okay. uh, mentioned the old guard. Yeah. Did you get around to watching that? So yeah, I did just, just watch that after I'd listened to that episode or seen it mentioned and, um, thought that was really good. So Okay. Uh, and that in the context of like, how do you tell a, a story that spans multiple generations? Um, yeah, this being at least like a snapshot in time for that. And how does it affect these different characters in their, their uh, approach to each other in the world? It's pretty interesting. Um, I have, I have two recommendations, uh, one light and one heavy. So the, the light one we'll start with is the, the DuckTales reboot. Um, so the, <laughs> For for kids of a certain for adult, adults now, I guess of a certain age, like Ducktales, like you can just start singing the, the theme song in your head. Um, but a couple of years ago, they did a reboot, and it is way better than it needs to be. Um, huh. It's just incredible. Like they've got a lot of great voice actors. I think David Tennant is actually Scrooge McDuck. Um, but each episode of that is just like a really tightly done adventure story, and like they're upfront about it too and they're almost like um call of cthulhu campaigns there's usually an element of the supernatural to it you know they're going inside of a dungeon you know or a warehouse or you know something like that and finding a, a a grand mystery or a relic and and bringing it back um but it's really good yeah so if you have if you have kids you might want to watch it i might even recommend it for adults who like cartoons like we we actually my wife and i've enjoyed it quite a bit um watching it with our daughter um, yeah, so that one's pretty good, you know, if you just want, like, kind of a, a light adventure. And then the the movie that I watched recently that I've just been thinking about constantly is Uncut Gems. So this is the heavy recommendation. I don't know if I'd recommend this movie to anyone. It's a, it's a difficult watch, but it's very incredibly well done. Um, it, you know, without giving away too much, it tells the story of a man who's addicted to gambling. And I've been thinking a lot about it in terms of, like player motivation and like enemy and monster motivations too. the the main character in that that movie is just a fascinating individual but he keeps on making these self-destructive decisions that like don't make sense until you run it through the filter of like oh he's addicted right like he needs these these things to keep happening yeah but it was it was really good it was very effective and like i said i've been thinking about it um for days <laughs> days ever since watching it all right yeah well thanks that's a uh... That's a good couple of recommendations there, guys. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, let's let's roll, Murph. So if you want to grab a D10, so we're going to roll on our table of topics. I'm going to do like the whole spiel. It's been a little bit since I've done this. So we have we have this table of topics that we roll on. Um, and every week, you know, Andy or I or our guest rolls on the table of topic uh, topics and that picks our topic. And we'll talk about this topic for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes or so. Um, yeah. So if you want to get that D10 ready and roll it, let me know what you get. All right. Uh, that's a seven. Seven. 
the topic we'll be discussing is how do you start a new campaign, which is, I think, going to be applicable for me pretty soon. <laughs> Especially since you just talked last time about the campaigns that you're going to be running. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You start a campaign by just getting the backbone uh, to yeah. actually the yeah. courage to do it. Yeah. By announcing it to the world and then uh, they make you do it. You know, that's, you know, uh, speaking of last week's episode, I, I almost mentioned this earlier, but I think we got more feedback about last mm-hmm. week's episode, which talked about um, campaigns that you want to run but haven't run yet for whatever reason. We got more feedback about that topic than we've gotten about most any other topic I can remember recently. <laughs> I, for some reason, that topic just really seemed to um, to strike a lot of people. I think it's, um yeah, it's that thing that, I mean, I, I think every GM has it in the back of their head. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're thinking about Every GM is sort of always thinking about like the 10 campaigns that they want to run at any moment, right? And like how that would go. And then there's the ones you're like, it's just never going to happen, right? Yeah. So I think even in that discussion, we last week, we we started thinking about like how you'd start something like that and how you get people like on board with it as well. I'll start trying to answer this question a little bit and then I'll stop and you can jump in and give me a better answer. But like for me, (laughs) starting a new campaign like always starts with the players Right. So like getting getting the players and stuff together. Um, but then after that, the thing that I've done that has given me the, the greatest amount of success is sitting down one on one with players and really doing a session zero with with each individual to figure out what their character is and answer any any basic questions. Every time I've skipped that, it's been rocky to say the least, hmm. um, yeah, getting people up to speed. Um, or you end up trying to do it at the table all at the same time and people are distracted and there's you know 10 other things happening at the same time. Um, yeah, and I think it, it does people a little bit of a disservice when you don't do that beforehand with a campaign. Again, what I found, uh, because they do have questions, but there isn't a good time for them to ask them. Um, like that. And so then, yeah, you're trying to figure it out, like as you're role playing, which can work a little bit if you're more experienced, but if you're a brand new player, which is most of the people that I play with, um, that can be extremely hard. So now, Chris, you said that your campaign starts with the players. So Mm -hmm. can we dig into that a little bit? Because one question I have for both of you guys is when you start a campaign, does it start with you coming up with an idea for something you are like excited and enthused about running and pitching it to people and getting their feedback, maybe adapting your premise a little bit, but, but more or less recruiting people to join the game you want to run? Or does it start with, uh, you know, you going to the players and saying, you know, let's play a game. What do you guys want to play? Or, is, you know, there's probably other points in between on the spectrum between those two points. So, Chris, you said it starts with the players. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what that means? And then how would you answer my question that I just posed? Let me start with the question you posed. So for me, like, it's it's picking the game or the system or, like, the campaign that, that I want to do. And I, I try to not get too involved in over-planning that, although... I fail at that every time too. Like even if I'm just doing one shots and stuff, but like, yeah, so getting, getting that, that sort of general idea together and then using that to pitch to people like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to play this, this game with the knowledge of, at least for me, like, like knowing that if I get people to say, yes, I can figure it out after that. Right. Like that's okay. Like I don't need to have the whole thing prepped before I say like, Hey, we're going to run this game and it's going to go exactly like this. It's fine to just have the general idea and get people together. Murph, how would you answer that? And um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you started that Pathfinder campaign. So I, 
I would say it's a mix of the, like, getting the players together and seeing what they want to do and having that cool idea that I want. Um, you know, like Chris said, you have the GM with the, the 10 ideas floating around, and when I want to start playing something, I will usually, like, grab an email list of, like, five or six of my crew that I think would be interested in a couple of these ideas and say, okay, here's here's three things we could do and give a little pitch, like, hmm. paragraph for each of them and say, like, what sounds interesting? And then kind of go from there. And um, I generally try to give an idea of, like, would this be something that would be, like, three or four sessions? Or would this be something that could be, like, an ongoing year or so if we end up doing it that way? I am fortunate to have a number of players who also enjoy the, like, year-long or so campaigns with me. So that's cool. I think this time around with the Pathfinder game, I had said, okay, here's this adventure path, which was not the Reign of Winter one, um, who's interested in playing, and got um, four takers and said, okay, well, let's like get online and talk about it and um, you know, talk about some characters. So did a kind of a session zero all as a group, not as one-on-one, um, just that people could like see what each other were doing and um, ask questions together. Uh, we did end up like after the first couple of sessions shifting from the adventure path that I had started with to Reign of Winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was largely because I had not originally expected the, the nine-year-old to be a player. Um, they just showed up and I said, well, that's cool. You can, you can stay, but <laughs> what we were going to play is um, not nine-year-old appropriate. So let's, <laughs> let's do this other one instead that I'm also interested in. So I nice. um, was able to segue and it worked out. Okay. So. Yeah. Chris, do you, uh, so Murph, what Murph just described sounds a lot like how I approach it. I'm, I'm usually in the position of having too many things I want to run. So I, mm-hmm. you know, in my ideal scenario, I, I would pitch like Murph described several mm-hmm. ideas and let the players say which one they're most excited about. Chris, mm-hmm. do you do that? Or do you typically just have like one campaign you want to run at a time? You know, if I wasn't thinking hard about this, I would say, oh, yeah, I pitch a number of ideas. But no, I usually have a pretty strong <laughs> strong idea for like what I want want to do. It might be a control issue, but it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, like, I think there's usually like there's something I want to accomplish, whether that's just an emotion or a story, a particular story. Yeah, so like in thinking about like the games that I want to run um, once we can, you know, run stuff in person, like. I have a couple that I want to do, but I have like different people in mind for them. If that makes mm. sense. Right. Like, so I don't have like a, like, Hey, this these five people we're always going to play together and we're always going to play D and D. It's like, yeah, I have, I have a couple things that I want to try. And I know that there's certain people that are going to like that better, better or worse. Do you guys, when you guys think about the campaign you want to start, do you usually start with like kind of a story that you want to like, you want, to tell or to to share with the players or is it like curiosity like there's an interesting game system i just want to take it i want to try it out like mm-hmm. is, is it could it be any of those things like what typically motivates you to be like uh i'm really i want to run this let's get something going i mean for me it depends from from time to time it sometimes it'll be uh like hey there's this published pathfinder thing that i'm interested in let me pull together my 
my group of people who like like the crunchy tactical long-term gaming and see if they want to do that. Um, sometimes it's, hey, I want to try out this system over a couple of sessions. Let me grab a, some people for that. Sometimes it's, hey, I have this premise for the start of something. Um, let's play and see where it goes. Whichever of those 10 ideas is, is <laughs> top of mind and wants to get out, and how does that uh, translate into a particular ask or, or invitation to the players. Mm-hmm. When uh, when I was starting up the Band of Blades game, which Murph is a player in my Band of Blades game, uh, it was a little bit of a new experience for me. I I mean, I find the uh, kind of Blades rule set pretty interesting, so I was interested in trying out a game where we invest ourselves in those game mechanics. And I found the Band of Blades setting, you know, pretty interesting. Um, but for this one, I it was an experience I wanted to see if we could evoke it in the context of a role-playing game. The experience of like, you know, being relentlessly pressured, you know, a story that um, is about always having to, uh, to retreat and fall back and uh, make tough choices about uh, how long you'll stay in an area before you, uh, you retreat. I just wanted, I was interested. I almost could have taken any game or any setting that let me play with those. (laughs) Um, but, um, so in this case, it was like, I wonder if we can evoke this, this feeling in a role-playing game. Did you pitch it that way too? Was, were you like, this is what I want to accomplish? Or did you just, did you just secretly just tell her, be like, Hey, we're going to play Band of Blades, but you had in the back of your head. I don't think I articulate Maybe Murph, maybe Murph remembers better than me. I, my memory, it goes back about three weeks and then it's just nothing. But, uh. I, I don't think I articulated it quite that clearly, but we did talk about in the early days of the campaign or maybe a little before the campaign about that feel. And I did say, you know, I want that feel of like the Battlestar Galactica, like always pressured, always on the run type of feel. So there was some discussion that was centered. I don't think anyone is like super uh, before the campaign was super invested in like, oh, I really want to explore the Band of Blades world. Yeah, You know, it's it's an interesting world like nothing wrong with it but i i did get that other people were shared an interest in like uh just you know have evoking that that particular type of story in some context and band of blades happens to be tailor-made to do that so it it made sense right it's the game that's very tightly focused um in the in the downtime campaign side of things on that feeling of pressure and running out of supplies and do you pause here to um to try to scrounge up more supplies or do you press on to try to stay ahead of the horde behind you and that's that's (laughs) the conversation that's going on between sessions in the the um the group's chat so it sounds like like oregon trail like (laughs) like (laughs) like you're just series of bad decisions (laughs) well it's interesting because uh, i think it's it took us several sessions before i was having that feeling i wanted to experience and i think the last session for me personally we hit we hit it and i when we were done with that last session i was like that's this is we're going in the right direction this is we are starting to create that feeling in this game but it was i will say you know i was misfiring a little as a gm for a couple of sessions i felt um Hmm. so yeah anyway i don't want to uh go too far down the band of blades yeah yeah let's let's actually pull back so i'm i'm fascinated by this because it sounds like this is the is this the first time that you've really started a campaign in this way with an intent of trying to evoke evoke a sense because i I would say i guess i played in your your alien game and that definitely felt like 
like we we all wanted to play an alien movie yeah right and like that's that's at least i was playing my character as a character within within an alien movie and so i had a lot of fun with that and that's the sense that i got from from like what you wanted to do with that game at least i mean not i again i don't mean to keep harping on the band of plates but <laughs> this was one of the first times where i did think of starting a campaign based on that like what's something i haven't experienced in a role-playing game before uh, and what's a game system that could empower it. I think with Alien and other Alien and other games I run, you know, mostly it just boils down to like either these game mechanics look very fun or the setting material is something we all love. So let's just spend some time in it. You know, that's that when I pitch D&D, it's because, you know, I, D&D is fun and the players think D&D is fun. You know, and I think I usually do not think much far beyond like what would me and this particular group of players find just really entertaining to play? I've been talking for quite a while, so let me, you know. <laughs> no, we're going to keep on peppering questions at you. we got to get to the bottom of this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Murph, have you ever done anything like that before? Like where you like you really want to evoke like a, an emotion with, with a game or a sense? Yeah, I suppose that, yeah, when I, when I mentioned sometimes I start from a premise, like yeah. my last sort of homebrew open-ended campaign was you know it's just taking one line out of a forgotten realm source book as to like some historical event and saying okay what happens as the the ripple effect of that event so um yeah opens opens the the actual action of the campaign with like the town being destroyed and invaded and things are collapsing and the earth is falling in on itself and then the, the players have to work backwards to figure out like what is going on and how do we all like not immediately die while while figuring out what it is that um that we're up against not necessarily a a, an emotion so much as like i know how this starts and i know some of the actors behind it um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the like blades in the dark style if you have these factions pit them together and see what happens um but then depending on what the what the players actually find interesting in that initial scene, um, I'll figure out where it goes from there. Um, just keeping in mind this this pressure between these two factions. Thinking about when you've decided, you know, what to run, you've gotten the player uh, agreement from players. Uh, Chris, you mentioned session zero. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that something we all start our campaigns with, a session zero? And by that, I guess, let me define that real quick. You know, I... I think of a session zero as sort of a a pre-campaign like kind of meetup where you do a combination of maybe rules review help people you know build their characters or answer questions and maybe do a few preliminary scenes to to cue to cue up the campaign mm-hmm. that will then start in earnest at the next session uh, maybe that's not what you guys do with your session zeros but do you guys do session zeros and and what is the what is the goal you are trying to achieve with a session zero if you do one? The goal um, when I've done them is is to go over just like mechanics questions, right? Just like make sure everybody understands how the dice work. If they have any questions about them, we can we can answer them. But for me, the really nice thing about that is to sit down and get some one on one time with a player and like really walk through backstory and stuff like that. Um, I don't do well if someone hands me like a three page backstory and their character sheet, like 
it's just it's not going to stick with me but i'm gonna have a conversation about it like that'll stick stick a little Hmm. bit better better for me um because i think you can also read a little bit more of what the interesting parts about their character are to them too when you're talking about it yeah like i'm just thinking about one player i had who like we just went back and forth about like the character's last name for a while Hmm. you know like it was like really important to get that right yeah like i mean stuff like that just won't come out if they just hand you the character sheet murph do you do uh, sessions or us um yeah i think uh it sounds like you and i probably do about the same of like going over like what this campaign concept is um sort of orientation to the rules and the the environments putting together characters and either either saying okay that's great um we'll go from there or else uh, just doing like a short 20, 30 minute introductory session at the end of the, the session zero. And I'll say one thing I, I would like to do more of probably in the future is some of the intentional like setting up of bonds either between players, mm-hmm. the way that um, like a dungeon world or apocalypse world has explicitly written in or you know, like the 13th age character relationships to sort of major actors in the world the icon relationships mm-hmm. um to maybe linger a little bit more on on those pieces of things um mm-hmm. especially the next time i do a more open-ended campaign where i'm i'm looking to the characters or the players to um to pick direction a little bit more is there a i'm gonna ask like a, a totally different question if that's okay um but the the thing that I, I've been thinking about as we're talking is like, okay, so you know, how do you start a new campaign? We can we can t- discuss a little bit about like what what we've done in the past, but I'm really wondering like, what's what would be the ideal for you for starting a campaign? So like, throw aside like everything, like would would your ideal for a new campaign just be like, we just hit the ground running, everybody's got everything set up, and we're just like going, you know, day one? Or do you like doing the sessions year? Do you like having to kind of pitch things? And, you know, set the premise and, and those those sorts of things. Yeah, good question. I mean, I think that like having the chance to talk through it as a group and make sure everybody's on the same page and um, has a chance to figure out, like, how do these rules work and how do I use them to create um, a character that I want to play in this story is pretty important, especially, like, I was just thinking a minute ago, like, the last five times maybe that I've started a new campaign or, or one shot. It's been systems that were, if not new to me, then at least new to everybody else who was playing. So Mm. um, just sort of stumbling through that initial discussion of like, what are the assumptions that are baked into this rule set? And what do those mean about the way that we think about this game is pretty important. Mm -hmm. I, I think having that conversation at the, the meta level of what are we trying to achieve here um, mm-hmm. is a is a helpful exercise at the beginning of the game. Yeah, it's so like you would say that you you like doing that. You yeah. Know, like, so even if yeah, okay, even if you're like pretty sure everybody's on the same page, you still would like to do that. I'd say yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that wasn't like a judgment of you yeah. like that. Was, I'm just curious about it. I think I, I would also want to have that conversation. What about you, Andy? Do you have anything like what's what's your ideal brand new campaign start? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess my ideal campaign start is like, I, you know, I pitch a campaign, get kind of player agreement, and then everyone takes a couple of weeks and everyone reads or skims the rules. 
everyone at least takes a preliminary crack at like building out a character or something like that. I um honestly I like the rule zero or I mean sorry, not rule zero, the session zero for me wouldn't be as necessary if everybody is coming to the table with like a thorough understanding of the rule system and uh has is has built characters that you know clearly fit within the general theme of the campaign i would be happy probably just jumping right in um mm-hmm. for me session zeros i i think there's a lot of value in them but you know for me they mostly wind up being like kind of uh, a teaching people that maybe aren't as uh super who, for whom the game rules are new or whom the setting is is something very different than they're used to. So I don't know, I guess in an ideal thing, uh, we'd all agree on something, we'd all kind of do our homework, and then we'd jump right into the deep end of the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, in practice, though, I, I certainly, I, when I say ideal, I definitely don't mind, though, when it doesn't happen that way, because that is a different kind of fun, right? Um, when where you are learning or teaching, you know, along with the player's, and figuring out what you want to do with the rule system. But I don't know, I guess mm-hmm. if I could skip some of that, I probably would go ahead and do so. But <laughs> yeah, I think the shorter, the shorter I anticipate a, a campaign being the, the less appealing, uh, an in-depth or formal session zero becomes like if it's a one shot, then there's only that the one night to play. So hand everybody a, a pre-generated character and, yeah. um, get moving and explain as it goes along. Um, whereas, if I am doing something that I anticipate possibly lasting for dozens of sessions, um, then uh, yeah, taking the time up front to do do the session zero seems like a, a worthwhile and relatively small investment. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because yeah, you could, you could have a, a year's worth of impact based on on what that conversation is. This question used the word campaign, but I think we've all been you know assuming that that might mean a one shot or yeah. a, a short yeah. campaign or something like that but i'm just curious when it when when you actually start a campaign as you know the you know you all meet at eight o'clock and you start rolling dice i'm curious how do you guys typically launch your campaigns in the sense like do you i realize that the answer to this will depend a lot on the nature of the campaign you're running but <laughs> do you tend to start things in uh, i think in media res i guess is i think the term for it where mm-hmm. stuff is already well underway and the players are are already in the thick of things? Or do you, if you have the option, do you prefer that, like, kind of start slow and build up and um, let the characters find their way into the meat of the campaign rather than starting them in the campaign? I'll, I'll share an example of something where that was kind of a concern for me. Last year when I did run the Alien game... One of my GMing regrets was that I didn't start everybody in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Like there was, I started them way at the beginning, you know, with their showing up to get their mission orders. And it honestly was like an hour or two before the movie felt like it started. Um, so that was like a situation where if I could go back in time, I would have said, you know, just forget this two hours of briefings and talking to your supervisor and getting your orders here you are like you know here you are in the the first action scene so i'm just curious do you guys have like a go-to way that you approach that or do you just does it totally depend on the campaign yeah i i never want to have a a situation in in my game where like 
people who don't know each other are like wandering around a town until mm-hmm. I can find a way for them to oh, meet yeah. up and totally. like, <laughs> like get to know each other. Yeah. So for me, it's always like, I'll just say up front, you, you know, each other and you like each other enough to be hanging out <laughs> with yeah. each other. And if, if that's not going to work, then you need to pick a different character. That's not the right character for yeah. this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, as always, like you are, you were already on the road. You were already heading there or, um, my other favorite go-to is like, you're in prison. What mm. did you do? Like, why are you in prison? <laughs> Murph, do you have any, uh, I also don't want to spend that like long drawn out period of actually getting to the, getting to the, the game. And I think that is one thing that can be done in the session zero is to set the expectations of mm. like, yes, you're all together. Let's figure out why you work together. Um, mm-hmm. Let's figure out who you're working for or why you're headed towards whatever that, that point of interest is. But then like when the, the game starts, like you are standing at the front door of the dungeon yeah. Or mm-hmm. um, maybe you are you're all at the town festival and, you know, what would you be what would your character be doing at the festival? Like, what are they interested in? And maybe there's five or ten minutes of just like setting the scene and figuring out um, you know, a little bit of characterization. But then the action mm-hmm. starts and something happens and, um, you know, the town gets destroyed or whatever. So not necessarily starting with guns blazing, but getting there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever, have either of you guys ever actually started with guns blazing? Like, the alien just burst through the door and, uh, you know, it's coming right at you. Everybody roll initiative. Has anyone ever taken it quite to that extreme? No, I want to, though, no, so badly. Yeah. Like, as we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, just fair warning to anyone who plays with me the next time I run a game. That's how we're starting. <laughs> There's a... Um, I just want to call it like, so Matt Wilson did this trick um, and that we're doing like kind of a short, a short Numenera campaign <laughs> where he, he gave us like a, a scene that we're going to, that we're building towards. So it was just like, yeah, this is like a flash, flash forward, right? Like here's a, a little like cinematic scene. Like we are all in coffins being like sent through a portal with a bunch of fire. You know, it's like, a, that's where we started with, with, this future, this future event and everything. And then we came back. So like, we're all like wondering when that's going to happen. <laughs> you know? And like, we know that it's going to have to happen Yeah. Um, too. But yeah, I really like that too. It's just an effective, like, Hey, like this is a story beat that we're going to hit. Like, and you, you know, we're going to hit it. And then, then let's jump back. And there, we can, that is a really interesting way to do it. Mm-hmm. I, there's another uh, style of telling a story. If, if you, that I, I always enjoy the way that um, like James Bond movies um, mm. start because they always start with like a short, really exciting action scene that is usually only like marginally related to the plot of yes. like the movie. And it, it's there just to like let you right off the bat, like indulge in. I mean, this is why you're this is why you're here. You want to see James Bond, you know, parachuting off of a whatever. <laughs> uh, and it's short. It's really exciting. And after that action scene is done it's there's a sense that like we kind of got that out of our system and now then the plot usually settles down and then it turns reverts to a more normal movie plot where there's like a build-up and they make a plan and you know mm-hmm. and it follows that more like more stretched out pacing but i um i've wondered from time to time if you could start off like a, a long campaign with like a really intense sequence like that then then like 
pause mm-hmm. and say, okay, now we've, you know, we've done that. Now let's kind of meander our way into the main story. Yeah, I could see that being a good, like, session point five certain mm-hmm. deal where it's like yeah. it happens three months before the primary campaign and um, you're saying, okay, this is how those characters got together. We're going to start that in media res. And Ooh, yeah. um, then maybe after we do that, we figure out like, how did they get in that situation um, mm-hmm. individually or as a group? And now that they've been through that, they're, um, they're obviously working together and they've uh, helped each other survive. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that, that could also be a way to um, sort of sneak in the rules tutorial before you get to the, the main Oh, totally. Um, whatever you want to do is like, okay, we're just doing this now. And um, we're, we're <laughs> intending for it to be a little bit disconnected. And yeah. Off. So I, I, I like the idea of the James Bond opening. That's it's like, you, you're not even rolling for initiative. You're, you're like, you're doing a dexterity check right away. Cause <laughs> yeah. like you're falling off of a cliff. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're like, you're parachuting, you're in the air, your parachute just failed to open, yeah. you know, what are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, not to harp on that, a specific thing too much but one thing that with big campaigns that i always find a little frustrating is that people have to build their characters before they know for sure what is going to be like useful and required of them in the game mm-hmm. um like i always hate it like playing like computer games like you know Baldur's gate or something like that i always hate having to make you know, permanent commitments to my character design before I have any idea, like, is lockpicking going to even be in this game? Should I put any points into it, you know? Or is that going to be a huge waste of time, you know? And uh, I sometimes wonder if, like, that session zero or that session point five could let people immerse themselves in, like, a kind of an example of the the most intense the campaign is going to get. And then might give them a chance to be like, okay, now that I see that, Obviously, lockpicking is never going to come. You know, obviously, lockpicking is something that actually is going to be in this game. So I'm going to move. I want to redo my character a little bit to shift some points there, or um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's tricky. I mean, it it all depends on the system. Too, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. The like the respecking <laughs> yeah. idea, but yeah, I like that. I mean, it's almost. I mean, I know some GMs will do like the just come with a backup character like right from the beginning, like mm. make your primary and your backup you know, right away. So we just, we have both of them ready to go and you can quickly swap out for the other one. If you're like, Oh, actually I don't want to be, I don't want to be a rogue. I don't want to roll sneak attack dice all the time. So, Hey, we're hitting up on uh, about our time to wrap up. Yeah. I have one closing question for you guys. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is, has, have either of you guys ever done something really clever to start out the campaign and maybe clever is, is is overstating this a little bit but have you ever done something like you know mailed a physical letter to your players you know in stationary from the 1920s you know to you know or or emailed them you know their top secret orders from the spy agency have you, i mean have you done anything kind of a little bit outside of the boundaries of the rules but creative to get people kind of excited about the campaign or just sort of establish up front like Mm-hmm. the kind of fun you want to have yeah the uh the halloween one shot I, I ran recently this just jumped to mind it's it's like barely an answer to this but i whenever i was sending out the like the 
the intro email about scheduling and stuff, I wrote it in character. So like they were playing, it was a 90s sitcom. So they were playing an episode of a 90s sitcom. So I I wrote the letter as if it was from an assistant producer, Hmm. um, you know, to them. So that, that was a lot of fun to write. And like, you could still get across the information to them as like, Hey, we're shooting at 9 PM on a (laughs) Wednesday, you know, like all the, the pertinent information for them was laid out. And that was, that was fun. And it was a pretty low, like low effort way to do that. And I, th- I think was more entertaining than just sending them an email saying like, Hey, I'll see you at 10. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I thought of this with, uh, uh, Wizards of the coast released like sort of a fancy collector's edition box of uh, curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. And one of the several kind of cheesy, but fun things in that box is like some postcards from <laughs> yeah. like from the land where Strahd lives that I guess you're supposed to like mail to your players. And that just makes me think, you know, like what if you got out of parchment and you wrote a letter from Strahd, you know, to your players, you know, know, what if you, I don't know. There's a lot of, you could do fun stuff like that, depending on the genre of your game, I think, uh, before you even start playing to like set up the campaign. Yeah. I think that is very, it is genre dependent. Like you could certainly come up with, you know, fancy stationery and invitations for something that has a little bit more of a, a high society, setting to it you know, something that is maybe Cthulhu or 1920s premise would have sort of that the news clipping feel to mm-hmm. it I I can't say that I've done anything particularly uh, involved or or creative to to start a campaign like that um, I did trick my friends into playing Dungeon Crawl Classic uh, <laughs> a while back where okay you gotta um, you gotta elaborate yeah. here but it, it was um it was just a, like, hey, does anybody want to come over and play a board game tonight? And <laughs> then when when folks got there, I was like, oh, hey, why don't we play this Dungeon Crawl Classic thing? Here's 3D6 <laughs> and a stack of zero-level character sheets. Roll them. That's and great. yeah, I think for that particular game and doing a zero-level funnel where you're expected to like roll up characters in two minutes apiece and have no investment in them and just watch half of them die messily in the first session... Um, we're launching right in. You haven't yeah. prepared for this at all, and nor have your characters, because they're all turnip farmers and not adventurers. So <laughs> yeah. um, you're going into oh, this dungeon exactly as unprepared as they are. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun <laughs> and very genre uh, appropriate, yeah. I think. All right. Well, this has been a, a great discussion. Um, yeah, Murph, thank you for coming on. This was uh, this was fantastic. Um, yeah, and now, now I have a bunch of ideas. I like want to start a bunch of campaigns <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. to try them. That's the problem with this podcast. I always I end these episodes excited about like all sorts of new things i can start uh all right uh before we go do we want to quickly add a topic uh, murph this is kind of putting you on the spot i realize but um would you like to replace the topic on our table of topics that we just discussed with a new one that some poor sad and, and luckless future guest will have to chat about with us have you have you had the topic of how do you end a campaign as the opposite oh. of, of this one I don't know if we have. Not exactly, we, no. I think that would be a really good one to add to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah. Um, it's like, right, like you either get to, to end it happily or like most campaigns, it just sort of fizzles and people stop scheduling. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's going to be, we'll just all have to admit that that's how it always ends. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that, I like that, that could be healthy. Right. Yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you end uh, unexpectedly but gracefully? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's a really, that is a really good question. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'll, we'll add that we'll to add the that table. In. Thank we'll, you. We'll Murph. probably, 
be a two-party. Like, how do you end a campaign? Yeah, whether it, it went well or poorly <laughs> will be the question. On purpose or otherwise. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you again. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And thanks everybody who's been listening. Yeah, we appreciate it. And we love hearing from you about what you've, what you've liked about the show. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. I've been Murph. And I was asked to be on this podcast at like noon today. So <laughs> yes, you did great. You weren't allowed to prep. That's perfect. That's right. Listeners. That's yeah. not true. We plan these months ahead. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. 